Next week is Thanksgiving. I eat too much this time of year. That's what I do. Dude, I'm doing a smoked turkey. I, I uh, bought all the stuff. I'm going to brine it for 24 hours, and then it's going to go in a smoker for, I don't know, like six hours, eight hours, something like that. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited. Oh, on your Traeger? On the Traeger. Dude, that oh. Traeger. I made carne asada last night. The best carne asada I've ever had in my life. In my life. It was insane. Insane. Yeah, I need to get one. Dude, let me tell you my little recipe here, okay? Uh, you fresh juice three oranges, three limes, quarter cup of olive oil, cilantro, fresh chopped cilantro, uh, cumin, salt, pepper. Mix it all up. Put the... Um, Put the skirt steak, you trim the skirt steak, put the skirt steak in the marinade, put it in the refrigerator for a few hours, take it out, prime rib seasoning, let it rest for 30 minutes on the smoker for about an hour, then uh, reverse sear on a smoker for like 225 for an hour, and then reverse sear it at 450 for a couple minutes each side. Let it rest, Mm. cut it. Dude, it was medium rare. It just was incredible. Like my girls, they're not big steak eaters. They pretty much ate all of it. They just kept eating it, kept eating it, kept eating it. It was so good. So good. Right on. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, that Traeger's the best thing I've ever bought. Seriously. I love it. Yeah, I keep putting it off. Yeah, I know you're talking about it, but yeah, I don't know. I need to get one this year. Well, I got a Traeger, then I got a, a Meter Plus. It's like um, a little Bluetooth thermometer that goes into meat, but it's a, you know, Traeger has uh, a probe. It's wired that goes into the meat, and it'll send you text updates, and you can check it. Right. But the Meter Plus... It's just more advanced. So you like put it into the meat, it's Bluetooth, whatever it is, and then you select whatever it is. It's a whole chicken, it's a quarter chicken, it's chicken breast, it's prime rib, it's a ribeye, whatever. And it'll give you its recommended settings, and then you put it on, and then it starts calculating the remaining cook time. It's like has like graphs going of like ambient temp, uh, inside temp, all this kind of stuff. And it sends you text updates 30 minutes until cook is finished, five minutes until cook is finished. Like it's insane. So I'll be huh. working like right I've been on. I've been working around the house here building stuff doing whatnot and have my my ear pods in and I'll just be working along. So it's like from meter plus five minutes until cook is done. It's like, yes, you're not going to forget about it, you know. So, yeah, it's really cool. Interesting. Mm-hmm. OK, that brings me. <clears throat> I know we're talking about grills. Let's talk concrete for a minute. You want to talk concrete? Is so that I what this call, is? Well, now that you're talking about something that's Bluetooth. I wonder if something like that would work on or to be used with curing of the concrete. So let me explain. You know, we talk about, you know, the mixes, curing, temperatures, time. But one of the big difficulties for all of us are, you know, like my shop's 15. I mean, you know, it's 15 minutes away from my house. I'm not going to run down there at 2 o'clock in the morning to see what the temperature is. So... You know, some we I'm gonna say most of us all take pretty wild swings to say when I covered my concrete, if I turned on a heat or cover, you know, insulated, turn on a heat blanket, whatever I did, when I come in in the morning, you know, do I demold it at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m.? You know, what what was a good temperature for quality? And it was actually Zach Pease who hit me on it. So, you know, just wondering if, and I was on Amazon looking for something similar to what you're talking about, a, let's say a Bluetooth version or a Wi-Fi version of a thermometer that you could literally you know, put under your cure blankets and give yourself a much better idea of when the concrete actually kicked off, what temperatures it hit, you know, um, Anyway, just something to think about, you know, helps. I think if that worked, it would help a lot of people even get more in tune with the quality of their cure. Oh, 100%. So let me see here. Uh, I'm just wondering, does that have to literally only works by being, you know, physically embedded into the meat? Because you're not going to do that to the concrete. No, 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 no. So here, I've, I've already found something. Okay. This one may not go high enough, but... Just a quick search. I found this one's really cool. It's a sensor push HT1 wireless thermometer hygrometer for iPhone and Android. It measures humidity, temperature, dew point. It monitors and logs it. And what you could do is just put this underneath your curing blankets directly against the concrete. 
cover right. it. And uh, it's Bluetooth. Huh. It's sending it off. And it's it's got a um, accuracy of uh, 0.3 degrees Celsius or 0.5 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's pretty pretty accurate with temperature. Um, the, the other cool thing is it's measuring humidity. So you'll have a right. good, you'll have you'll be able to chart that. What would be interesting with this is to just chart it every time and start getting baseline data of what's going on in your shop. In right. Tennessee, exactly. in Arizona, North Carolina, wherever you are, you start getting real data instead of just, you know, anecdotal, uh, in my shop, we kind of, you know, six hours is when we, we spike. Well, who kn- I mean, like what Dusty's on the steel right. table, they never spiked, you know, but nobody right. knew that. Like that data wasn't being collected. That's a good idea, John. I mean, this was just the first one that popped up and there's literally... Huh. Yeah, send me... Um, well, I'm just yeah, looking I'm, at like the... What uh, did you end up putting in your search engine to find I put that? in Bluetooth temperature monitor. Bluetooth temperature monitor. And this was the first thing that popped up. It's 49 bucks. Yeah, see, if it could be inexpensive and... Export any um, data to CSV or archive with Excel, Google Sheets, etc. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll pick one up. I'll, I'll do a little more searching to find something. But yeah, I, I mean, so talking to Zach, that was one of the things we all consistently talk about. But there's this, you know, this huge abyss of uninformation. You know what I mean? That, and I call it uninformation. But to know, hey, man, I, you know, we all talk about it, right? Hey, I get into my shop. I mix up. I'm done. I try to be done by noon. Okay, well, that's awesome. But how do you know the concrete's like legitimately ready to pull out and process eight o'clock the next morning? Yeah. Maybe your shop's 50 degrees. Maybe it was 90 degrees. It, it would be nice to have something that you could actually legitimately say without having to run back and forth to your shop. Like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not. It didn't even kick off till six o'clock this morning. Like, no, I'm not going in there and pulling it out all two hours later. You know, these these kind of things I think would be extremely valuable to all of us as artisans. Hundred percent. Yeah, dude. There's there. This one's good up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit, which you may not be high enough for what we're doing. But there's a ton of them, and the related um, items. When you scroll down, there's just tons of these different sensors that are out there. Hmm. Sensor push. Yep. On Amazon. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's a simple. It looks like just a little puck. Yeah, you just put on the concrete. Oh, good idea, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'll look a little more and, and maybe I'll do a write-up. Yeah, here's another uh, one. Uh, one up. Temp Cube Pro Wi-Fi temperature and humidity sensor. Wirelessly remote temperature bonder. USB power yep. rechargeable battery. Uh, let me see what the specs are on this as far as how high it'll go. Is that the Tempe FI Mini Wireless you're looking at? I don't know. I've already scrolled down. I'm trying to find how high it goes. Oh. Uh, if you charge it for eight hours, you can use it for 99 days, it says. Oh, there you go. Connects yeah. to Wi-Fi. The cool All thing right. about this is it's Wi-Fi, so you can probably, yeah, you can check it from your phone. I mean, Bluetooth, you right. have to have a repeater or somehow have it go to your computer. This one's Wi-Fi, so you can just check it on your phone wherever you are. Um Right. Okay, here we go. Temperature sensor up to 140 degrees. 140 kind of seems to be where they're where they're they max out at. But 140 yeah, but is good. Fine. You'll still know. Yeah. More than enough. Yeah. yeah. And then the same thing, you'll know when it kicked off and you know how high it went. Cause that was one of the things he was asking me is like, well, John, how do I know? I mean, and I go, Well, okay, here's the recommendations. You know, 115 to maybe you know, 125 is the range. If you don't see that and it always stays at 70, hey, you know, yeah, that that's not good. So we need to beef up your curing regimen, whatever that means. But of course, if you're not at the shop all the day, like, how do you know? Yeah. So, yeah, something like this, I think, would be absolutely invaluable. So this one is interesting. Temp Cube Pro. Temp, T-E-M-P-Q-U-B-E, one word. Temp Cube Pro Wi-Fi. It's $99, it's Wi-Fi, and uh, it's iOS or Android app, 24-7 email alerts. So you can essentially set up trigger points where it'll email you. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah, so, that's the one I'm looking at right yeah, now as Temp well. Cube Pro. Yeah. yeah. Temp, Temp Cube Pro. 99 bucks. Yeah. Not bad. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick one up. Let's see what it does. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea, John. <clears throat> well, data, man. You know, we all need... 
data, data, what everybody wants to call it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be extremely helpful. Well, it's one of those things that a, a lot of us, all of us really, me included, we do things based on generalities of just generally assumed parameters of what concrete is doing. But I think Dusty Shop, the hoedown and the holler that we did on the steel tables, that was a huge awakening for you and me of like, oh my God, we never even considered this. What's going on? But had we had these temperature sensors when we came down and put them on there that night, we would have all kinds of data to uh, help us problem solve this and get a handle on it a lot sooner. But we weren't even thinking of that. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a good idea. As you very well know, when I came in the next morning, wow, these are cool. Well, then we all stood cool around. Cool to the touch, temperature-wise. Not cool, they yeah. look cool, but cool, they were literally cold. No, cool to the touch. Yeah. yeah. And then we all stood there looking at each other going, well, I guess, you know, we walked out of here at about 11 o'clock. I mean, did it? Did they kick off at midnight, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock? Or, and, you know, we didn't put any heat blankets, so they, did they just cool down? So this massive blankness gray area that nobody had any answers for so we're just, you know, we're just swinging at fences. Yeah. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. So that kind of is a good segue to a topic we want to talk about today, and that's good concrete and bad concrete. Right? Good concrete, bad concrete. What makes good concrete? Yeah, what, how do you what tell? Makes bad, yeah. So right. what, what are your how, thoughts? How would you... Well, I got plenty of thoughts on that, <laughs> which evolve around so many things. Yeah. <laughs> We talk about Maker Mix. Maker Mix, from our point of view, is a quality product. Quality. And like, well, what does that mean? You know, that's a huge general term. And I do get calls from guys saying, you know, I get a product from so-and-so. And boy, when you read right here, it says it's doing everything that you say it's doing, John. So, geez, why should I switch? Apparently... I'm being sold something that does the same thing. So what are, what, what are some things that very basic things that then I go over to say, well, do this, this, and this, and then tell me what the differences are. Um, like number one, acid resistance. That's just such a simple, simple, how many times I get calls from people who like, you know, they're using a 10, 10 parts water, 20 parts water, muriatic acid combo. So 20 parts water to one part, I think, what is it? 33% muriatic acid. And there's always been this uneasiness about burning your concrete, right? Creating these uneven patches and stuff like that. And that's what this person per the product, he's like, oh, no, no, yeah, I, I won't even acid it. I don't do that at all, John. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, well, you know, even 20 to 1, it makes my concrete so patchy. You know, the, the acid burns. Well, you know, as you and I do, there's even a whole write-up on a protocol on how to acid wash to get as even quality in that finish as possible. And that's what he was doing, pump-up sprayer, doing everything we recommend, and I'm like, okay, well, there you go. There's, there's one of your simple things to look at. If 20 to 1 acid is causing uneven patchy burn marks on your concrete, that is low, what we would recommend as low quality concrete. Would you agree? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that being said, he didn't believe me. So I'm just going to ask you, Brandon, what... What dilution of muriatic do you use most often? So I do five to one, and that is way too weak for most people that use Maker Mix. When we were at Dusty Shop, I was demonstrating five to one, and uh, everybody was like, eh. I mean, it was like a 400 grit wet sand sandpaper finish. That's what it right. felt like. And, you know, you're like, well, I go more aggressive, and Dusty's like, well, I go more aggressive. And I think you guys did three to one or two to one. Right. Um, made it much more aggressive. And even then it was just barely, barely, barely. Right. It. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where we're going with this. And he couldn't believe it. He's like, no, there's no way. And I'm like, yeah. well, I don't know what to tell you, man. And uh, that's what always I end up going. I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Brandon Gore, who has, let's say the John Schuler, 
I'm going to call it a pretty smooth finish, comparatively speaking. It cleans up, gets all the junk off, what I call cast residue. It makes a very nice finish. It opens up the concrete to be sealed. And I go, I'm telling you, he's using five or six to one. Oh, it must be a, a different muriatic acid. Eh, no, it's not. It's a 33%. But that just shows you the quality of the mix, the resistances of that mix. And to me, that's one simple way anybody who's buying whatever, super this or such and such mix that or ECC or I mean, whatever, put them head to head. Well, I think it's a Do two part. Block. I think it's a two-part thing. I think one thing is kind of what you're talking about is what what are some of the litmus tests that people can do to self-confirm right. what's good and what's bad. And, and one is going to be acid resistance, so you can mm-hmm. do the acid. The other thing would be resonance. Just tap on it. Right. Just, just cast it, it. Cast two samples, same time, side by side. Tap on it. Tap, tap, tap. And you'll hear a resonance. The the maker mix, rad mix is going to be a much different sound than the the weaker, softer mix. And another one would be color density. Mix up two two samples, use a certain loading of pigment, maybe 1%, uh, whatever, whatever you have on hand, doesn't even matter what color it is. Cure them the same, flip them over, and then look at the two, and you'll see that the Maker Mix Rad Mix is going to be a much, much darker, richer color versus whatever you're using at the same pigment load, cured the same way. And that's going to be another telltale. But So those are some litmus tests, but I'd say the other thing is just the disingenuous marketing from these companies that say on paper that they do these things, but they don't do those things. You know, so it's, it's kind of what you're saying. Some of these ad mixes that are like six ingredients and they say, this makes a UHPC, just add, you know, whatever, this amount to your, con- to, to your cement and sand and you have UHPC. No, you don't, not even close. Mm. But because it's on paper, somebody that doesn't know says, well, why would he lie about it? Well, you know, why would he, money, money is why people lie about it. They want to make money. They want to sell as much as they can. They don't care if the piece falls apart. They don't care if you go out of business, they want to make as much money as they can. Same thing with sealer out there. I mean, like I said, I've gone to World of Concrete, I don't know how many times now in my life, 15, 20 times in my life. And all these sealer manufacturers at World of Concrete are just snake oil salesmen. They're, they'll tell you whatever it is you want to hear to sell you that sealer. And they don't care. At the end of the day, they just want to make money. Money is the root of all the motivation to lie about all this stuff. So there's a lot of really, times, yeah. really bad, false, intentionally false. I mean, they know what they're saying is not true, but they know that that as a consumer, you don't know. Another big one for me is food safe sealer. You know, I mean, we talked about this yeah. probably a year ago on the podcast, a year and a half ago, one of the very first podcasts, but food safe. It's one of these terms that... Because there's no regulation on the term, there's no, you know, you don't have to like go to the food and, food and health, whatever, whatever that department is, FDA or whatever it is. Um, you don't have to go and get approval. Anybody, somebody could take gasoline and resin, mix it together and say, hey, it's food safe. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, let me, let me seal yeah. this table and put it in a kindergarten class and let them, you know, eat off of it all day. It's completely food safe. 100% sure. food safe. Because I say it is. Because I yeah. put it on the label. And, you know, that's something you're big on because a big thing about what Kodiak Pro is about is safety, material safety. So yeah. safety in sealers, safety in mix. We're working on, you know, uh, silica-free products for, for um, industries where that's a big concern. It's a big concern for all of us, but especially like Australia, it's a really big concern. Right. But sealer, you know, getting away from all those toxic ingredients that go into sealer that people say, well, you know, when it's cured... It, it, it's not going to come out of the system. Yeah, it is. 100% it's going to come out. You know, yeah. whether it's xylene or whatever's in there, that's still going to be in that surface. And it's still going to transfer into food. It's going to transfer into all kinds of things. So Right. Well, that's, see, and there's an interesting one you just hit on for a second. So we are, I am moving through updating materials and modification to the materials to push the silica free. Very still very excited about that. I'm coming to the end of it. It's looking great. But this is what I found interesting. So there's a company out there who's, I'm going to say fishing. Fishing. Their business is fishing for customers. And they put out things saying, you know, who would be interested in using a 99% silica-free mix? You know, and and they're really pushing the silica-free, silica-free, silica-free. What I found interesting is how many people... I hear what I'm going to say, all of, don't bite into it. Don't bite into it. Now, I'm not what I let me explain. I'm not telling anybody not to 
do your due diligence to focus on less potential in your life for achieving silicosis. I get it. You know, back to the air scrubbers and vacuuming and all the, the due diligence things you can do. But this is what I found interesting. The same people that are pushing health and safety in your mix is selling you sealers that are completely toxic. <laughs> so I, I just don't know what to say to that. And most people, you know, I guess it's the fear mongering. You get focused on the fear potential of silicosis without anybody telling you that the moment you pop the top off a cross-linking technology that's isothionate, you breathe it, it's in your skin, it goes, you know, nasal passages and your pores, that stuff's so crazy toxic. I'm just ask anybody listening, here's a due diligence. Just Google search isothionates. Now, I think we'll all agree. I'm not telling anybody that, oh, you popped the cap and you're 100% destined to have cancer in the next 10 minutes. You know, that's all a culmination. But I always find it interesting how some companies, gosh, should I use the word prey? You know, prey on what the, the hot item of fear at the moment is, but at the same time, selling something else that's actually more toxic more often. Yeah. Well, so yeah, fear sells, you know, well, uh, yeah, fear sells Apple watch. I'm really disappointed in Apple's marketing lately. It's all about fear. If you get in a car wreck, if you're out at sea and a shark attacks you, you know, your Apple watch will send for help, all these different things, but it's all fear, 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 fear. It kind of went away from the hope message that Apple had when Steve Jobs was, was part of it. It was all, you know, fun and exciting. And now it's all fear. But yeah, I mean, that's a big part of marketing. For me and you, the silica thing isn't about fear. It's we have a product that we can we can do this with, Radmix, right. completely removes you know, silica from the system and fulfill a need that's needed. But it's not from a fear-based viewpoint. It's from a health and safety viewpoint. It's like, what can we right. do to further make healthy, healthy products? That's what we're interested in doing for, for our customers. But yeah, isothionates. I mean, there's universities. They don't even allow students to use those in, in the labs at universities anymore. You know, I mean, I right. remember Polytech was telling me that when he came out, um, they can't do demonstrations a lot of times. I want to say this, Polytech told me this. They can't even do demonstrations at universities because there's uh, isothionates in a lot of their their uh, rubber systems. And right. um, there's regulations against that. I could tell you countless chemists that I've talked to that have come down the, the let's say, their uh, road of various companies they worked for. And any of them that at some point were in in material design around sealers or whatever the case may be, they already know from the get-go it's a it's a pretty short career before they move to something else because they end up with isothionate sensitivities. Yeah. Well, what do you remember that sealer? I can't remember the name, and it was I don't know if anybody's still using it, but it was that sealer. It was like a bridge deck sealer that was an isothionate super. Everybody was hot on it for a minute. This was like 10 years ago. And people started using it and they all developed Horrible allergies oh, yeah, to yeah, it. Oh yeah, it's um. What was that? Healer sealer. Healer sealer. That's what is it, right? Of, healer of sealer. all the names, healer sealer yeah. should be yeah. ke- keeler sealer. It's going to keel you. The keeler sealer. Uh, <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, healer yeah. sealer. Yeah, everybody that was using it was developing these horrible allergies and getting. They couldn't even go right. into a shop that was a planet. One of the big guys that was a big advocate for it, who grew this huge company and then sold it. He couldn't even go in his own shop because he was so allergic to it. If he walked right. in, if it was cured and he walked in, he would break out in hives. Yeah, so he was incredibly sensitive, yes. Yeah, but he yes. didn't start off that way. It, de- it, no. it developed over time, the sensitivity to it. And Yeah, I mean, why would anybody want to bring that into their workspace? And more, more importantly, why would anybody want to put that into somebody's home with children? You know, I don't yeah. know. I think it's one of those things that, there's high performance sealers out there, our sealer ICT, that uh, don't have all these side effects and health health hazards, and you can get these great performing surfaces that last a long time, that are durable, that are easy to reseal without all the downsides of isothionates and all these other ingredients. Like I was saying, like xylene and like, you know these solvent based sealers, those things stay in a system to some extent, and they're horrible. They're horrible. So yeah. you don't want that in there. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'll hundred percent agree. I, I think. At the end of the day, if we put 20 of us in a room and had these conversations and realized that other people are using other products, whatever those might be, 
you know, they're going to have their defense for it. And oftentimes that defense comes down to the same thing as what do they say? You know, you choose your poison or whatever the case may be. And, and in this particular case, this is not a, well, I'm not talking to, and you aren't either. I'm not trying to tell anybody based on whatever performance product you feel you're using to run your business, that you're a bad person for doing it. Please don't ever think that. But I, I would suggest start looking at things that um, help you stay healthier throughout your life. Cause one way or another, <laughs> the bill's going to come due. I agree. You know, another thing with this good concrete, bad concrete, and it's, it's discussion has come up a few times on the Facebook forums is polymer modified concrete. And I, you know, I mentioned like me and John have talked about polymer and concrete and the downsides of polymer and concrete. And yeah. people keep asking me to reference the episodes. Unfortunately, we haven't had them transcribed yet. We're going to, it's, it's a mountain of things we, we have to do that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, that'll make it easier to find certain episodes. But, um, but we should talk about that for one second, because in my opinion, polymer modified concrete anymore, I'd start putting into the low quality, bad concrete because of all the downsides that a polymer brings to concrete. Do you want to talk sure. about that for a second? Well, yeah, and I, I, I think the best way to describe it to me would just, and we, yes, we have talked about this in previous podcasts, is that it's a plasticrete. Um, you know, I, I think there's people out there making maybe some things that look pretty cool with it. And I don't know. I mean, maybe they have their place. I don't know. Um, but it's a plasticrete. And there's a point where, just to give an example, if I mixed up a two-part epoxy and I put some cement you know, powder into it so that ultimately the epoxy formula has a cement-like look, or in this case, a concrete kind of look, in fact, wasn't there a silestone or something, right? Oh, yeah. They, they, all, they have concrete colors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's that would be something that I would refer to as, you know, a polymer base, meaning that once your solids, whatever that solids count is, gets to a certain percentage of whatever you're making, and typically it's, you know, 15 to 25%, once you cross that bridge, what you're really cracking you know, casting is an acrylic colored concrete, you know what yeah. I mean? Or an epoxy colored concrete. Yeah. It's not really a concrete anymore, any way, shape or form. It's taken on the characteristic of whatever polymer is being used, whatever hardness or tensile strength or whatever that you're using as the actual plastic binder. True. And that's one of the downsides. Aesthetics is definitely one of them. But just the slowing of the cure, all the things that it does structurally to the concrete over, over the long term versus a non-polymer polymer modified UHPC like Maker Mix or Admix. Right. Well, see, there's the interesting thing. That, that's, I think, where the transition happens. If you take a mix and take that polymer solids so high up that the really reality is you're just, I don't know, making your own version of a silestone, let's say. Okay. Okay. Well, whatever. So it's, it's not really a concrete. And in this particular point of view, we're not taking in cement hydration as a characteristic. We're taking in whatever polymer was used. You know what I mean? Whatever liquid plastic acrylic or whatever the case may be. Now we bring those solids contents down to a certain amount that we think, oh, well, we're only putting this certain amount in that hopefully well, at least according to anything that says should be beneficial to the concrete. And that's not true. It, it, you know, that's, that's when the rubber hits the road and then someone could say, well, I'm using a 7% solid liquid polymer, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm making the best it is. Okay, great. Well, run yourself your own test, do a acid scrub test, you know, acid concentration scrub press, do a sound quality check, grab a hammer, you know, and you'll notice a distinct difference between a soft thud and a hard ping when you when you put a good quality versus a lower or higher quality versus a lower quality. These, these that's pretty simple. Yeah, and that could answer a question on you know should you or should you not be focusing on all this polymer addition in your mix? Yeah. Well, I mean, for a long time, 
that was thought to be the best concrete out there. You used yeah. to use it. I used to use it. We all kind yeah. of thought like, hey, that's that's where it's at. No question. And uh, if we still believe that to be true, we would have done that with Maker Mix and Rad Mix with Kodiak Pro. Yeah. Why wouldn't we if, if we believe that to be the best? It's not that we have a vendetta against polymer manufacturers. Nope. You know, I mean, there's hundreds of them, thousands of them around the world. It's just proven to be detrimental to the mix long term. And uh, so we moved away from that. Well, I'll take it another. I, I'm still not opposed for a guy that does designing of materials. I I still have some of my raw material manufacturers. They'll send me whatever, you know, new thing they're working on. I, I'm not opposed to looking at them because, but it's just that now I'm focused on them from a very different direction. This is no lie. I do not, and I can't consider them as part of a, you know, concrete mix design to, to integrate a cure additive or, you know, or something along that line. Cause that's hocus pocus. Yeah. You know, that's I've, I'm long since over that, but there are times that I look at things and go, well, you know, what did I, what, if it could bring something in from a different characteristic, whatever that might be. And so far I haven't found one to be honest with you, but, um, I'm still not opposed to looking. Sure. Fibers, fibers. That's kind of been a, a topic as of late. So fibers, yeah. you know, there's, there's glass fiber, there's air glass fiber, and you say, well, they're all the same, aren't they? They're all the same. These no. different manufacturers are all making the, They say they're the same on paper, specific gravity, filament bundle size, all the, you know, you look at the engineering specs on them, the, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, they're the, these are the same fibers. But then mm-hmm. in reality, when you use them, fibers from this manufacturer versus fibers from that manufacturer can have a completely dramatic and drastic effect on your mix just from fiber right. manufacturer to fiber manufacturer. You want to hit that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I guess I'll start off with what we're going to talk about. Why do we recommend what we recommend when we recommend it? You know, John Schuler, Brandon Gore, you know, do they must have stock in this company or something? No. What we talk about is always based on the same thing. What we use, why we use it, when we use it to get the end result that we're looking for. So I've had some calls or conversation with guys that have really put a focus on which glass fibers we recommend versus which grass fibers they were using. In this particular one, it was the Dow Corning. So we use the Dow Corning. If anybody picks up the half-inch Dow Corning fibers, you know, sold by Silica Systems, You'll notice right off the bat, if you put your hat in the half inch, they're like little, uh, I don't know, like little prickly pears, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, like little needles. Yeah. Yeah, like needle, needle. Yeah, yeah, they stick to you, you yeah. know, and the three quarters don't do that, but you will notice they're stiffer, like, like toothpicks. Yeah. And I guess at first, like for me, I was set back from that, like, well, wait a minute, man. I don't know if I want to put a bunch of toothpicks in there. It doesn't seem right. Don't ask me why. I'm just saying that's where my thing versus the NEGs, which uh, the best way I could describe them would be like little feathers, right? They're flatter. Yeah, they're soft. Yeah, they're softer. And I don't know, for some reason, it seemed advantageous. But what we've seen time and time again, and what we get feedback time and time again is, excuse me, I had to cough. Uh, is that those softer fibers, they're one or they're doing one or two things, and there's no way to fully test this. They're either shredding a little bit easier under the kind of blending that all of us are doing. The Imer mixers, you know, the 120s, the 350s, the hand mixing, um, certainly with the double paddle, but you know, a lot of us are using the sim- single paddle cola mix. But what they were seeing is Mixes were ending up with less consolidation when using the the fluffier, the softer feather-like fibers. Switching over to the Dow Corning fibers, there's two magical things that happen. Number one, the mixes consolidate like nobody's business. It's ridiculous. And then number two, stealth. Incredibly stealthy. And that's something I didn't touch on. It seems the softer fibers also have, I don't know, an an inherent higher potential for showing up in the faces. 
For sure. Yeah, they definitely ghost a lot more. I, I, when I used yeah. to use those, I would see a lot more ghosting than I see now. Right. So, I don't know. That, that's something that pa- popped up again here recently. Just that. Like, he, well, he asked me point blank, well, you know, why are you these? Why these? And, well, here you go, man. And Yeah. And so, the other, you hit on it, but you kind of didn't fully go down the road is the Dow Cornings, when guys are using it, you said they're not getting full consolidation. What that means is they're getting a lot of air and trained. Air. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I call them voids. They were exactly. voids. Exactly. Yeah. Which was yeah, weird because it's like, oh, your your TBP is on point, your water temperature is on point, everything looks good, yep. you should be okay. Yeah. Why is yours doing this and everybody else isn't? It's the right. fibers. The fibers were the difference. Absolutely. And as, as I called them up, I told them point blank, the only time I have seen something like that, period, is I'm going to call it a, you know, a, a fibrous network. So the fibers are already creating this network, this mesh network in the mix at the point when you don't want it to, when the mix is trying to, if this makes sense to anybody, this particular mix wants to contract on itself and wants to pull on itself and basically drive the air out. But that being said, if you put this, you know, inability for the mix to do it because you've created this mass scaffolding in the mix when it wants to consolidate it on itself, it's not going to pull because the fibers are going to hold it apart. But at the same time, the, the fiber is acting like these, if I'm, if this makes sense, I look at it like it's creating these little umbrella, these tents, if you will. And then it traps the material up under that tent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just keeping air from working itself out. Yeah. Yeah. It won't. So that's what he was seeing. And it, you know, again, one of those things where, well, he, nobody wanted to believe it when I went down the list, but I'm like, look, man, everything you're doing is on point. I see no issues with that. So that leaves only one thing that I've ever seen this potential happen. And that is fiber. Yeah. which came back, no, well, that can't be because I'm using AR bundle glass. Well, yes, but again, there's this mass generality. So these are the ones we recommend. These are the ones that let the mix do its job under what it's supposed to do. And then ultimately you end up in this incredibly strong, dense use of the fibers at a time when you want the fibers to do their job. Yeah, it goes back to just things on paper and things in reality are different sales, marketing. Hey, these are the same thing. Use them. You'll see they're not the same thing. Not that they're bad. I mean, I'm sure there's definitely products out there where they're, they're totally fine. But for what we're doing with the mix, we have the, uh, the Dow corn is what you want. You don't want to use any G. Well, I'll say the same thing. It might be one of those situations where doing people are doing like hand layups or something, hand place layups, and maybe having that ability for a softer fiber allows you to I don't know, butter things easier, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But um, that, that, that's the only place. Other than that, you know, as long as you've got a 150 or 200 monofilament fiber bundle, then as we're seeing is the Dow Cornings are far superior su- for achieving self-consolidation than any of the softer fibers could ever be. So this last week, a... Uh another company put on a training event and um, they were teaching products that you had a, had a big hand in developing back in the day. And one of the things that was kind of funny that or you know, I wouldn't say funny, but um, it, it kind of solidified what we're seeing out there is some of the information being shown was incorrect on how to use these products that, that you developed back in the day. You no longer support those Absolutely. products, but you know, you develop them so you know how they're supposed to be used and and uh, the workabilities are supposed to be made into. And anyway, so seeing these videos, you know, you see these people that, A, have never done concrete in their life, wearing headsets, teaching other people who have never done concrete in their life how to do concrete from people who have never done concrete in their life. So it's, to me, it was like the blind leading the blind. There's a lot of probably bad bad info in, bad info out. Um, but, you know, the, the thing we want to hit on more than that, because training matters and uh, where you get trained from definitely matters. You want to go to people that do this for a living, not the people that got some degree in some field that's non-relevant and now they want to teach you or, 
they sell, you know, whatever it is, some other product and they bought a concrete company and now they want to teach you how to do concrete. They don't know how to do concrete. You want to learn from people that do yeah. this as their livelihood, how they pay their bills. And they've done it for a long time, for decades. That's that's where you want to go. But on top of that, you know, there's um, ECC is, is kind of what I'm hitting on. ECC is a mix yeah. that you that you played a huge part in, in, uh, making and the only part. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) trying to be diplomatic here, trying to, trying to be diplomatic, but, uh, we've gotten a lot of people calling us up saying, I was told by this company I could use ECC like this. You're like, no, there's no way you should never do that. And then in these videos, they were doing it. They were doing exactly what they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let me explain. So the first thing I'm going to put out there to, to, we did it in a previous, I don't know how many podcasts back where someone sent me some pictures of some, some tubs that they were making. And, you know, I went through like, Oh, well, here's the problem. Here's the problem right now. And everything he was doing was, should not be done with that particular mix. Now that led us to talk about getting bad information from people who a either don't use the products or have never, you know, or B shouldn't be educating people to use the products in a way they were never designed to do. And, you know, we were, I don't know, you know, pretty pointed on that, this and that. So my apology goes out as this. My thought was these were maybe distributors or maybe some of the use, but I'm sitting here watching this video done being done by the very salesman from, and that's exactly how they're showing. And, and we're actually touting and look, and this is how you pour. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. That that's where the information started and originated from. I, I just don't know what to say to that other than I apologize to the people that I was thinking it was a distributor doing it when clearly the incorrect information was from the origin itself. So there you go. How should you not use ECC, John? If somebody's going to, if somebody has ECC and you're like, Oh, I love this mix and good. I mean, you developed it. So, you know, they, they, they love no. a mix that you Well, here's developed. what I'm going to say, just plain and simple. And this is not a pro or con ECC. If people are, if you're legitimately looking for high quality self-consolidating ability in a mix to achieve the things we're just, you know, high resistance to acids, uh, a ping to, to, I mean, just a ridiculously new end. That is not what that material was ever designed for. I would look to another material. And then specifically without, you know, jumping up and down with a banner, uh, the only one that I know of, is is maker mix and that's that would be my number one suggestions well you develop you know, both mixes i mean focused on acronyms or yeah. anything but when people are like but john john they 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 say i could use ecc like this i'm like but john yeah. developed ecc john developed it yeah. when people are like but they said john these guys who've never done it in yeah. their lives they have these headsets you've seen these headsets it's like a little microphone goes around their mouth and makes them all official like yeah. they have like big speakers and stuff and they say through these big speakers that i can do this john so it's got to be true john yeah. john tell me it's true yeah. and you're like no bro i developed it it's not true it's all fake yeah. these guys are idiots don't I, listen i don't to know me. what to tell you yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it, it, but i will say in the in the event that i was seeing you know the people that they're marketing to or what it appears to the market they're going after is you know massive diy market yeah i'm not saying that these materials at kodiak couldn't be used by a diyer we got plenty of people that pick up you know small packs from joe bates to make their own vanity or whatever the case may be. And I think that's fantastic. And we do get feedback. I hate to call them DIYers, but you know, from like weekend warriors experienced. Yeah. Who, who have legitimately put the various manufactured products head to head based on acronym and 50 pound bag and whatever the case may be. Um, and there, there legitimately is some differences, but you're talking to two artisans who have run and continue to run businesses that make things for clients and develop products around that ability. We don't, you know, I don't know, maybe in our next workshop, we should get headsets. Dude, we, it makes it all official like, John. We got to get headsets. 
We need yeah, to get polos. We got to wear polo shirts. Official. We got we to stop with these rad T-shirts we have. We need to get polo shirts with embroidered logos and headsets. We got to tuck in the polos. Right. We got to wear Dockers, Dockers, uh, tucked in. We need to get the cell phone holster that goes sideways on our belts. There you go. That makes it yeah. all official, like. And uh, yeah, I mean that's all part of it. We need to get some some like laminated uh, name badges, so it seems like we have all the answers. You know, like all official, like. Yeah, I think it's just the the only bummer about it to me is <laughs> again, and not not that someone can't mix up something and put it in whatever version of a mold. And I'm certain I'm you know, right wrong. It's, it's going to get hard. I get it. As I always keep saying, you know, your coffee cup ain't going to fall through it. I get it. Uh, the downside is that, or maybe it's not a downside. Maybe it's just a different focus. You know, I I'm focused on quality and what that means for me. I'll continue to be focused on quality and what that means to me. That doesn't mean what I'm calling my version of quality is the same as somebody else's. So again, I don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt. I heard John and he says that because I'm not doing what he's done, then I'm not producing quality. Well, if that's the best you can or do. Or Brandon said polymer is. modified is, is, is horrible. What I'm saying is we, I, we used to use polymer modified. We've been down yeah, that yeah. road. We moved away yep. from it for a reason. If if it was the best, believe me, we'd be doing it with Kodiak Pro and Maker Mix. But it's not. That's why we moved away from it. But if you're still on that train and you haven't departed from that train yet, that's fine. You're still on that journey. But yep. at some point, I urge you to try this product and have a frame of reference. Because that's the thing we hear from people is we talk to people like, well, but I'm, I'm getting everything that I want out of this mix. Are you? Right. How do you know that you're getting everything out of that mix? Because you don't have any frame of reference for what is beyond that. You know, your limit is to this point here, but you don't know the next, you know, 20, 30, 40% above that that exists, but you've never seen it. So you're like, well, I'm getting everything I want. Maybe you are. I seriously doubt it though, because you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you don't, for all of us, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, this takes a whole different conversation. I was talking to somebody about chocolates, right? (laughs) We were talking about like, you know, I, I forget He's like, well, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I like C's. And he's like, oh, C's. Yeah, have you tried? And it was some, I can't even remember. It wasn't a Godiva or however it's pronounced, but it was something else. And I'm like, no, I really haven't. He's like, oh, you wait. If you like chocolate, that's that's chocolate. I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. Chocolate's chocolate. So you know what I'm saying? I'm mean, just using that analogy. But when I went and picked up some, and I saw I can't remember the name. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. So I, you know, maybe they're using different buttercream. I don't know what they're doing, but it was night and day. Now, huh. had I not done that listening to somebody, I would have picked up another box of, you know, that's what I do in the holidays. Yeah. Pick up a box of C's, C's. candy. Yeah, I love like, C's. I'll eat the whole damn thing in one yeah, shot. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, yeah. So, you know, this is, this is what I know is a high quality chocolate. And then you get this other one. You're like, oh, Wow, that, how, where, where have I been? <laughs> you know, yeah. why, did, why didn't I know? Why did I take this guy showing up and, you know, having a conversation of all things about chocolate to realize this other material was available? So, yeah, so that's what I'm going to be ordering this holiday instead of C's candy. Huh, interesting. Uh, pads, I have that on my list to talk about. What do you want to talk about pads? Oh, just once again, that they are available and we just need to get them. When I say we, the, you already taken all the photos and stuff, right? Yeah. It's just, just the web developers need to get them uploaded, um, yeah. to the website and link to the shipping. Exactly. That's what I mean. So, they got it. That's the hard part. We mean you can upload them. It's the, uh, the integration with the shipping plugins, it gets all wonky and I'll just mess it up. Right. So yeah, but no, they, they are available. We, and thank you to all you guys. We just had one of the guys post pictures of a reseal he did. And, I'm, you know, please, I'm, I'm not going to go down the sealer issue. That's not what this whole thing's about. What was really, what I think is the great part of this is, his name is Brian, is that doing reseals, he's another one like all of us who would have told you completely hands off, I'm not doing that kind of stuff, know how. No way, you know, and now he's got tools that he was able to go in there, make a great day's pay and basically 
if you look at the pictures, <laughs> he gave a family brand new kitchen. Like he literally, you know, remodeled the kitchen and the bathroom and made everything brand new again that, that they would, that they had been living with you know, pretty beat up surfaces. Yeah. So that's to me is the amazing thing about bringing this tooling in and having that ability. Well, there's so. that for, for, uh, products either cast in place or, or doing reseals in place, but the part of it's yeah. in your own shop. Yeah. A lot of people like myself don't necessarily like to water process. No, like water polish. Oh, acid etch. That's using water, but water polish. But if I did need to expose aggregate, you could use these Festool diamond pads dry with your Rotex and do it in your shop with no dust and uh, and expose ag. Yeah, no dust when it's hooked up to the vacuum. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 No question. That's what I do. That's yeah. how I use them. On the last project, now granted it was all a you know hand tooled surface, but I you know, just pulled out the 200 and sanded down to the finish that I wanted. And yeah, beautiful. I mean, it yeah. works great. Yeah. But we keep talking about them as strictly for reseals. No, I mean, you can use them in your shop day-to-day -day fabrication. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no question. I'll tell anybody. The reason I've been focused so much on reseals is, you know, reseal, even using the word reseal, it, it's been such a taboo subject for a variety of things. Like number one, nobody wants to hear about it because if you bring up the word, you, oh, that, that must be, you're using a crap sealer. Mm, no, I mean, maybe you are, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, you know, that I'm just going to say the defensive posture, people take it that way when you take it. And then the other one was, which I still hear from people, well, I got to call some so-and-so and, you know, I don't know who did it. And boy, I would never touch something like that. Well, why? Just, well, yeah, I'm in that. I'm in that camp because I have a long time ago. I have done some rejuvenation reseals on stuff, and when you take it on, now the burden is on you because you accepted it, and now they want you to polish their turd that somebody made using bad concrete, using right. a sealer that necessarily wasn't the best suited sealer for that type of surface for that type of of durability, and now you're coming in and. Once you accept it, they're looking at you as the person to fix it. And if it's not fixed to what in their mind it should be, now you're the bad guy. And that's what happened to me is I spent a lot of time remodeling or not remodeling, but rejuvenating these countertops. It was a cast in place by the client and it was horrible. And he sealed them with like, you know, a heavy coating and acrylic or something. And I had to water polish it all off and do all this stuff. And um, what the heck my dogs are barking at? But I had to do all that. And at the end of the day, he was like, oh, is this as good as it's going to get? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is amazing, but yeah. I'm polishing what you made. I didn't make this, you know? Right. And so that just, for me, I think it was maybe just that one bad experience shifted my perspective of taking those on. But I know a yeah, lot of like, people- I'll never do this again. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was like a thankless thing. Like, I put a lot of work into a lot of energy. I probably didn't charge near enough either, which made it even harder. Then the day when you did all that work and you look back, you're like, man, I made like six bucks. It makes it a little tough, but, uh, you know, like Ben Coonan in, uh, in Portland, he does a ton of them. It's a big part of his business. So I think if you go into it, uh, you know, with a certain perspective and, uh, and you're tooled, like you're saying, you have the correct tools yeah. to do it is probably better than what I, than what I did. Well, that's what I would say. Cause my experience has been completely opposite since I started, you know, bringing that in. No, I, I walk out of places even if like one of the projects had, it was worn so badly in this one spot. I don't know if this one spot just in the kitchen countertop, honestly, I, I don't know what this one spot was actually used from or used for by the previous home homeowners, but there was just, I mean, I'm just going to call it oil, but it wasn't actually oil. I don't know what it was. It was lube. It was KY jelly. It was something, man, yeah. but it was, it was so into the concrete that. <laughs> Did you smell now, it? Now again. Did you smell it? This was it? A, a fairly basic mix. Did you smell um, it? Yeah, right. Yeah. I scratched and sniffed it. That, you know, by the time I sanded down, I, I mean, I even tried pulling poultice and heat and all this kind of stuff and it wasn't budging. There was no how, no way. So then I just, you know, and, and they knew it. I, I, I guess like anything else, you got to set the expectations to begin with 
you know? And so I did. And at, I'm going to say I, mm, I probably got 50% of it, but the downside is the rest of the kitchen. Now this is my personal opinion, not theirs. The rest of the kitchen I had looking brand new again. Now there was cracks and things of course, but they were happy with those, believe it or not. Um, but I had the kitchen brand new other than that to them, same thing. They were so pumped because, you know, the cost of coming in with new counters and having to redo backsplashes and all this kind of jazz. And then I came in there for, ended up a day and a half to knock them out. Oh, they, I was just to say, my experience has been very opposite. Yeah. Completely happy. And when I give them an invoice, verbal or otherwise, I still get the, are you sure? Is that it? I'm like, yeah, no, that's what we agreed on. You know, so it took me blankety blank hours at 200 bucks an hour. And yeah, so it's 2,400 bucks. Uh, and then they, uh, each time everybody's so far given me another 50 bucks or a few hundred bucks over because they felt it was the right thing to do. But yeah, no, man, it's been great. It's awesome. Brings me to my last thing, John, is Tommy Hearn hit me up this morning. He wanted to know if we had care and maintenance instructions for ICT, specifically Maker Mix sealed with ICT because it does perform really well. Um, he wanted to know if we had care and maintenance instructions for customers to give to customers. And you said that, you know, you have your care and maintenance instructions on the ICT Facebook page right? that are there in the documents. Anybody can join the ICT Facebook page and download the care and maintenance. But uh, what I think we might do, and I'll try to get it done here soon, is I'll pull that over I'll uh, put it on Kodiak later letterhead, kind of uh, maybe adjust it slightly, but we'll put that on our website as a downloadable as well. So people that are using ICT uh, can download that and, and give that to their customers on care and maintenance. Is there anything you specifically yeah, so let me, recommend to people? No, I'm actually looking right now. Let me open it up. So this is, I'm actually on the ICT reactive page and trust me, Brandon, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you update it all together and, even still with the Kodiak header, I'll put it on, you know, both, both forum group pages. That That's fine with me. So let me open it. To me, it's, I don't think anything's really changed. I just tell people, you know, non-abrasive, non-abrasive cleaners. Yeah, let's see, here we go. No, that's tips and tricks. I don't know, man. See, this is a time, like, I'd love to tell you again, I am a tech savvy genius. Yeah, no, dude. I'm still no. waiting for you to ask me to fly out to change the the clock in your car because daylight sa ta savings time. Uh, you don't know how to change it, <laughs> Brandon. Can you fly in and change my my car clock? Here we go. There it is. ICT care and maintenance. I'm just put it on here. Um, so you can see, I, I put some sealer information on here. Uh, homeowners, yeah, wipe up spills as they occur. You know, is that absolutely necessary? Well, I think due diligence says put it there. Clean regular vinegar water or green cleaners. Um, that's pretty simple. Yeah. And anymore, you know, Windex with vinegar is what we used to recommend, and it's still a good cleaner. But anymore, yep. dude, I could just use, I use Fantastic. I use 409. I use Clorox yeah, wipes. I use whatever it is I pull out from underneath the counter to wipe down the countertops, and they look great. Yeah, again, I think the big thing is just non-abrasive. Yeah, which and, who uses abrasive uh, you know, cleaner? I mean, who's going to put Comet no. on their countertop and get out an abrasive pad and start scrubbing it? Nobody's going to do no. that. Why would you do that? No. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll send you a copy. We can update it um, and expand on it if you want to. Um, I didn't realize. I even put in here about the uh, sealer being in accordance with USDA regulations on food safety. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even remember putting that in, but, um, yeah, we just certainly do that. It's a good idea. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I, I think I'm good. I'm sure I'll come up with something afterwards, but I'm just trying to think of tech calls I've taken over the last weeks or so. And it's funny how they go in circles, right? <clears throat> like per what we discussed, it goes in circles. Someone calls me up and we have this conversation. He's wanting to know he or she about moving over and what do you think? And these are the materials they're using. <laughs> and I just tell them the same thing. Well, here, here's a simple one. I, 
I'm not here to sell you on anything. I'm not going to. I'll tell you what I'm using and why and why I recommend them. But here, do yourself a favor. Run a couple of these very simple tests. And that's when each person has ended up placing an order every time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to, it's frame of reference. Until you know, you don't know. Until you know, you think it's as good as it gets. You think this is it. And then there's the next level. And you're like, oh. I had no idea. So, right. yeah, people have to see that for themselves. We can tell them about it all day long. We can tell them, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, it's always funny. Remember when uh, when H- HD TVs started coming out and they were advertising HD TVs on yep. standard definition TVs? They're like, oh, the picture's so much better, but they're shown on a standard definition TV. And right. you're like, how are you going to advertise HD on, on SD? How's that going to even happen, right? Because there's no way to to show that. And when you actually went down to, you know, Best Buy or wherever, and you saw the difference, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But it's the same thing with this. You know, we're trying to tell guys, and we can tell them all day long through this analog format of, of audio of, dude, it's so much better, and it's denser, right. and it's, you know, uh, stronger and co- richer in color. But that doesn't mean anything until you see it with your own eyes. Yeah, see it and do your own thing, because... I will say that is through these conversations, that's another one that I do get asked like, Oh, you know, why don't you should, you should do this video and this comparison kind of stuff. And yeah, I don't know. You know, I, we've ruffled and we're going to continue to ruffle feathers along the way, but that would certainly be a massive ruffling feather, especially if we made samples labeled with what these products are and then ran these kind of comparisons. And I don't know at the end of the day if that's necessarily in our best interest, because if if a person's a naysayer, you're still going to have all your reasons for naysaying. Yeah, and get, I get it that. in your hands. Yeah, I mean, people prove get it to yourself. People get comfortable. They get in their rut, whatever that is. You know, they get comfortable, and it's just like I'm used to this. I'm used to putting a coating on. I'm used to spraying yep. a coating at three mils. I like it. I'm used to it. Okay. Yep. Keep doing it. Keep doing yeah. it. At some point. Maybe something will come along that'll make you look at other options. And when that happens, consider this. And and maybe it'll change your perspective. But I get that people, you know, and they'll be a naysayer. Oh, you don't need that. I've always used this. It's worked out fine. Great. Keep doing it. You know, if that's working for you, keep doing it. But until you have a frame of reference, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what, what the next level is because you haven't seen the next level. Even, you're still in three dimensions. We're at the fourth dimension now. You know, we're in the quantum field. We're out there, and uh, until you know, you're still in 3D land. We're in 4D land out here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, again. It's going to continue to be exciting. Yeah. I'm. I'm still pumped about everything we're doing. Continue to moving forward. So. Yeah. Well, it's been a few we'll weeks. Yeah, it's been a few weeks since the last podcast, and uh, Thanksgiving's next week. We might be able to do one next week at some point. I got family in town. And uh, that could be good for the podcast because they might all go out, you know, to the park or shopping or something. So I could have a little bit of downtime. So we might get a podcast out next week, but if not, it'd be the following week. But uh, what I was going to say is we had a, a final video edit from the uh, Hoedown and Holler that um, we didn't talk about in the last podcast, but I'll put on this one, the final video edit. We had a, a preliminary edit that we did that was good, but the final edit's really good. And cool. uh, so I'll post that for the people that haven't seen it. Definitely look at the... Um, the Kodiak Pro page for this podcast, and we'll have a have the video loaded there, and you can watch it. Um, but yeah, I think that's it, John. And if we don't talk next week, have a happy Thanksgiving, and to all our listeners out there, you as well, have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving with turkey well, and stuffing and all the, all the yeah. fixings, all the fixings. I'm not a fan of stuffing. Yeah, me that, that doesn't really. get me. Well, right? yeah, that, I, real stuffing, the, I don't yeah, like. Oh. Real stuffing. Like if it's in the bird, ugh, I don't like that. Yeah. But if it's like <laughs> stovetop stuffing and you put turkey gravy on top and that's okay. I like that. I mean, that's just breadcrumbs yeah, essentially. I'll take a garlic mashed potato or, you know, something along that lines. I've never been a big fan of the stuffing. Yeah. I'll leave that one out. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But, and it, it, to be honest with you, I'm not even a big fan of the whole turkey. If we cook the turkey early and then do the turkey sandwiches with the cranberry and stuff on t- Okay. I'll do turkey sandwiches for... Thanksgiving. That's what I would do. Huh. Well, dude, I did a smoked turkey 
in Phoenix, there's a place called Little Miss Barbecue. If you ever go to Phoenix, Little Miss Barbecue is the best barbecue hands down in the world. I promise you. This guy, Scott Holmes is his name. Uh, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal genius when it comes to barbecue and, and so good. So anyways, Thanksgiving, he does smoke turkeys. You have to get on the list months in advance. He only has a certain number that he'll huh. do. You pick him up Thanksgiving morning and um, we did it when we lived there. It was incredible. Incredible. Change your, again, it's perspective. You thought all these, you know, grew up grandma made turkey. And it was good. It was great, right. you know. But then you have this. And it's like, oh my God, this is incredible. So I'm really excited because this is going to be the first year that I do a smoked turkey myself that we're going to do it. Is it going to be the same level as Little Miss Barbecue? Probably not, but it's going to be pretty darn good. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. And back full circle, you know, the Meter Plus probe, back full circle. I'm definitely interested in uh, in seeing if people do get these probes for, or probes, probes, that's the right word, these monitors for concrete to track humidity and temperature, start getting historical data and starting to get a better understanding of what's going on. That'd be really interesting for oh, casting materials. You, I'm, I'm ordering one right yeah. now it, as a, on Amazon, that temp cube pro Wi-Fi is 50% off. Yeah. I saw that. So yeah, normally 200 bucks. So I'm, I'm reading up on that. I can tell you, unless it says something I'm very uncomfortable with, I'm, I'm going to order it yeah. and let's see what it does. And then, um, then we'll have it to recommend people because one of the hardest things from a tech support point of view is that is the massive gray area of information you take something like this and we can have solid chat back and forth to actually boost up your processes because you have legitimate data to go by yeah it's gonna be good for everybody it's gonna be good for us it's gonna be good for the customer um, it's going to definitely help problem solving. Any any problems people are having, you know, almost always comes down to the cure of what's going on. Yep. So, yeah, that's going to be great. All right, John, we'll keep this going all day, but let's go ahead and wrap it up here. All right, buddy. All right, man. Once again, as always, good chatting with you. Same. And uh, right. hopefully we'll talk next week. We will indeed. All, all right, right, man. Take care. Adios. Adios. Adios.